Welcome back to the Protest Coverage Podcast. I'm Kevin Xavier. For this week's episode, we're going to circle back to a trip we took to the nation's capital December 12th for the MAGA Caravan Part 2. Podcast co-host Amanda Faria joined me and visual imagery editor Lucy Baptiste on our trip to cover the protest and subsequent counter-protests by Black Lives Matter and anti-fascist demonstrators. We were not prepared for what we saw or captured. We have carefully chosen to publish what we have documented from on the ground, including the sound you'll hear in this episode. It includes natural sound of explosions we witnessed, as well as other disturbing language and sound. And for that reason, we are encouraging you not to listen to this episode if this type of content is triggering. What we saw was extremely different from New York City and the protests that are held there. Mainly the violence and how the Metropolitan Police Department went to extreme efforts to separate BLM and anti-fascist supporters from MAGA enthusiasts and Proud Boys. As a result, our movement, along with any other person moving through D.C. that day, was limited by police blockades. Most of the day we spent embedded inside BLM, which is about the size of a city avenue in close proximity to the White House. Metro PD created riot lines on all sides of the plaza, barring all entry and periodically all exits. BLM supporters had created a line of their own with homemade shields to counter the riot shields of police. While we were able to move freely to cover a Proud Boys March midday, once we entered the plaza, we were not free to leave for several hours. It was during that period that we witnessed at least two explosions, several fights, and other disturbing and violent behavior. According to the Washington Post, 23 arrests were made, and four people were stabbed as a result of the fighting between BLM and MAGA supporters. Thankfully, no serious injuries were reported as a result of the explosions. The following episode is a roundtable discussion Amanda, Lucy, and I had the day after we left D.C. Okay, so Kevin here with Lucy and Amanda. Scratch that. Kevin Xavier here uh, with podcast co-host Amanda Faria and visual imagery editor Lucy Baptiste. Um, we're going to take a moment just to listen to some audio that we recorded while we're down in Washington, D.C. this weekend uh, for the MAGA Caravan Part 2. Moving, moving toward that direction, having listened to that audio, and it's almost strange to hear it, but what were you two thinking, and how are you feeling? Um, I could definitely hear that we had heavier voice, voices towards the end of the night, which makes sense. Um, not to say that we, were, we sounded joyous or anything before, um, but... You could definitely tell we were exhausted by the end of the night. I know that I was um, earlier in the day. I was kind of curious in terms of what we would see 
you know, we had already seen some, a few crazy things when you first asked us how we felt about um, what we were seeing. But yeah, I mean, when I listened to the one where we were headed out of town, I was thinking, man, we went through a lot. It was definitely a long day. It was definitely a frustrating day of watching a lot of chaos. So since then, I've just tried to decompress a lot of things that I've that I experienced that night. Um, being in the middle of that felt as though we were back in the height of of the racial uprising. That's what it. That's what it felt like on Saturday for me. For me, it was more. Um, I was curious as to see what was going to happen throughout the day. So, I, like, you know, my adrenaline was high. I um, was trying to get to Freedom Plaza, but I think the universe didn't want us to go to that side. So we were mostly on Black Lives Matter Plaza. Uh, they were coming to us, uh, the Proud Boys and the MAGA crowd. So um, seeing them firsthand, for me personally, uh, not that I was scared, but it was more of like, it, 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 was, it became real. Like, because I've seen it on TV. I've drove past people who upstate New York who proudly hang their Confederate flags. But to see them in person was, um, it was a lot of emotions, anger, uh, nauseating. Um, I wish they say something to me. Um, so I have to just fight. Um, it was a lot. It was a lot of emotions I was going through. And Lucy didn't, you know, I, I wonder if it hit you different at all because you have children in this world right now, whether or not you'll ever talk to them about this or whether you think you must talk to them about this. Um, I already did speak with them about it and my experience about it. And having my two boys already be stopped by NYPD um, before they were even 18 years old. Uh, I've experienced that with them already. So, um, yeah, it's it's a lot. A lot of triggers, a lot of, I had to remain uh, objective as best as I could. I will say there were, not, there were times where I, I wasn't. But again, it, it set in a reality for me that I've always just watched on TV. Because when they were here in New York, I refused to go because I knew how I felt. Um, I knew that, and then I heard in that crowd, they were more, you know, because they were protected by NYPD, they were spitting at people, they were, you know, they were doing just extra, you know, they were just doing things that were just disgusting that, that if I felt that someone sat at me, I don't care if NYPD was protecting me, you're just going to get it in. I would have to agree with that. Um, at this, like on the way from New York to DC, it crossed my mind a few times because I did hear about how MAGA supporters were in New York, I was thinking if they're the same way in DC, how will I react? And I, I agree with Lucy, there's no way that I could have remained neutral if you, if you were going to spit on me, you know, or, or point your finger in my face or become aggressive and actually touch me, then it was definitely going to, my, my mood would change from neutral to, no, I have to defend myself, so. Um, yeah, I, those thoughts were running through my mind as well. 
but then when when I got there it changed for me um, in a sense of they weren't as aggressive or, or even at all towards us definitely aggressive towards you know when they saw people that were actually a part of BLM in DC or when they couldn't get across to anyone um, but I you know I expected I was shocked that they weren't more aggressive I, I should say yeah, just to kind of set a little bit of the backdrop for the audience, BLM Plaza is just north of Lafayette Square, and it is a five-minute walk from the White House. And yeah. essentially the entire day, as we are trying to move around, Metro Police Department was keeping the two sides, if you will, apart from one another. And at times they would freeze areas, and we would either not be permitted to leave an area not be permitted to enter an area, or if we left an area, we would not be permitted to re-enter the area. They were essentially moving about and creating, freezing these areas and blocking off these streets so that Proud Boys, MAGA enthusiasts could not get access to BLM folks at BLM Plaza and vice versa. Um, we saw a lot of violence, uh, a lot of violence, and it was almost impossible to not capture it, uh, which obviously we, we've discussed has, you know, has its own ramifications and it's sometimes difficult to navigate that. Uh, but I did wanna talk about some of the good, you know, uh, was there any good that were in, inspiration that we could draw from this experience beyond just you know how utterly divided our country is right now That's still, maybe i'm still just processing things but um as far as inspiration i haven't picked anything out just yet yeah you know we are it's still just happened you know what i mean it's still hours from when we left there so i really appreciate you too not just for going obviously um you know, i haven't expressed that to you plenty, I hope, and I'm happy to do it any other time for two remarkable women and photographers and journalists who put yourselves in jeopardy often. And um, I just wanted to thank you again for that. Uh, while we kind of discuss these difficult topics, because it's tough to see, and Amanda, I'm sure you could speak to it, it's kind of tough to see through the, the literal smoke and fog to see the good in, in what we witnessed on Saturday. Uh, Amanda, were you able to pick anything out that you found was uh, redeemable? Um, some good that I did see was the people, the BLM, I, I should say, of DC, they seem to be more unified. Like they together. I think a few times I saw them disagreeing on things, but for the most part, they were pretty unified, whereas NYC, I Sometimes you see a lot of fighting between the groups and, and some drama that goes down, but they seem to be pretty tight-knit there in D.C. And I know that they did try to bring joy drummers out. It was great to see them come out. I was also worried for their safety, being that they were teens and carrying, you know, heavy um, drum equipment. So I was hoping that they would get out of there safely without being attacked or caught in the crossfire of any of the chaos. Right off to the side of BLM Plaza was where a couple of kids on bikes 
And I think watching them ride their bikes and do tricks up and down the street, it was interesting to see them in stark contrast to everything else going around them. They're just riding their bike joyfully up and down, you know, <laughs> the street as as police officers are trying to, um, you know, shoo away MAGA supporters and Proud Boys. And I thought, you know, in the middle of all this chaos, you have these black, these young black boys just having fun and riding their bikes. And honestly, that's all black people want to do anyway, is just be joyful and, and let them be, just be. And so that was interesting to see in the middle of all of this that they were out there. Um, inspirational, I can't really find any inspiration yet, um, but some, some joyous moments, I guess. Yeah, they were some joyous moments. Yeah, I agree. And that we were captivated by those kids on the bikes. Um, they were just having so much fun. And the one kid who didn't have a front wheel, uh, front wheel and he was just doing wheelies all, like, yes. like, at, like full city avenues doing, riding essentially a unicycle. That was Yeah, I, and I was like, first off, I would have probably been on the ground. I prefer my bike with two wheels instead of one, but he's very talented. <laughs> <laughs> I caught, I actually caught a picture. Um, I was looking for my pictures. I didn't put it in the file. You see him riding, doing a willy, and then you see two Trump supporters walking by. I captured the Trump, the Trump flag in the background while he's doing that. But that literally explains exactly what Amanda was just saying, how in the midst of all of that, he, it's like he didn't have a care in the world. And... He's like, I'm still going to do my thing. Who cares that Proud Boys are here? Who cares, who cares that MAGA supporters? He's like, I'm going to be a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Those little moments. Yeah. Those are both the moments that stuck out to me. As far as dynamics, obviously, it was dramatically different from what we're accustomed to in New York City. Generally, we see police all the time. They're shadowing and sometimes stalking the marches. But this was different because they seem to be at times kind of protecting the BLM contingent, and at other times protecting MAGA enthusiasts and Proud Boys, and at other times just kind of seeming to be neutral and keeping them apart. So it was just something that we weren't, you know, really accustomed to at all outside of the violence, just how, how the police department treated the situation. So um, those are the things that stuck out to me the most, but I'm just really grateful and thankful again that we made it out of there safely and uh, that you two were there with me and that you're safe and okay now. Um, can't thank you enough. I love you. I appreciate the both of you. And I can't wait to see you again really soon. Love right back to you. And thank you. Likewise for me. Okay. You two kids go do something fun. All right. We'll take care of the rest uh, of this. We'll try to in the middle of the storm that I'm watching, unfortunately, from the window. <laughs> No angels here, Amanda. Uh, Kevin here with Lucy and Amanda. We are headed out of town. That escalated pretty quickly from the last time we had our little chat. So I'm kind of in shock about it, what we've seen tonight. 
don't know if anything stood out or if nothing didn't stand out. But it was intense, to say the least. Nothing stood out for me. Um, nothing is surprising of what's going on here. Um, just, uh, I have a lot of adrenaline rush right now. Um, whew. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. It was a long day. Yeah, and I don't think we've seen mortar fire before at a protest, right? No, no, never. Not. Maybe a smoke bomb, but there were several. So that was crazy. And what's crazier is even trying to leave and walking past uh, Trump supporters that are trying to scare you down. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I think a highlight for me tonight is catching someone in an act, in the act, a proud boy, threatening a black woman with a taser and a cop actually doing something about it. So it's great that he got arrested. I'm going to be happy about that. Yeah. Uh, we had a colleague that was bear maced or wasp mace sprayed or something. Um, threatened with tasers, narrowly dodging mortar fire. It was um, it was a pretty full day. 